Good evening. My husband's actually the one that is the amazing banjo player. And uh, I always make a joke to everyone that when I got married, I actually married into hee-haw. <laughs> that is how it felt. Uh, he had played a banjo since he was 13 years old. His dad, uh, had they had a band, and they, they would travel around. And his dad actually built his mandolin and was a mandolin uh, player. And so when we started dating, his dad just looked at me and said, Do you want to play the bass? And I said, no, I really don't. Something like that. But, but God had plans. And, um, I always joke, make a joke that when I first met my husband, he was, uh, when I first saw him, he was 15 years old and I was probably about 20 years old. And so really he was jailbait. He really was. And so he, he was just a kid and uh, I was 20 and, and had no idea that God would put us together, had no idea that I would ever be in a bluegrass band, had no idea that I would ever preach the gospel. Um, but God just has hidden surprises laid out for his daughters. And, and just when you think you have it all figured out and just when you think you have seen it all and just when you think you have done ministry to the all that you're going to see, God says, guess what? It's a brand new season. Guess what? There's more ministry for you. Guess what? I'm opening doors for you right now. Guess what? What you thought was over is just a brand new beginning. Guess what? I put a crown on your head and guess what? I've not forgotten you. And guess I've heard your cries at night and the anointing that God placed in your earlier season will only double in your latter season. And you'll say, this is the Lord's doing. And it was marvelous in my eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so God always has these plans that just far exceed what we think he's going to do with our lives. And so when God put us together and, and we began to, um, let's see, I was, I was 26 when I got married. I was 20 when I got saved. And my husband grew up just, just a, a, a good boy. He grew up in a Christian home. He grew up where he, he didn't get, uh, he, he went to a Christian school and, and his mother worked in the Christian school and he was just a godly young man. And somehow God saw fit to put him together with this heathen. Because I was a heathen. Do I have any ex-heathens in the house tonight? Okay, so all the heathens sit on this side. All the saints sit on this side tonight. You know what? Because we need you both. We need you the ones that have had the godly, beautiful upbringing and the purity that you have carried your whole life is just amazing and precious. And we know all the heathens over here that, you know, came out of abusive homes and came out of broken backgrounds and, and came out, came out of addiction and, and we need all of them together. We need all the sisters. We need all hands on deck in this hour to do what God has called us to do. Amen. Please look at your sister tonight because I I just want you to look at your sister tonight. And I want you to say, sister, I don't know what mess you came out of. But God's about to make the most of it. (laughs) I don't know what hot mess you came out of. I don't know what hot mess you left at your house tonight. I don't want to tell you what my laundry room looks like tonight. I don't want to tell you what, or, you know, what kind of hot mess that, uh, that I walked through to have three babies. Come on, somebody. I'm almost 42 years old. Everybody said amen. And uh, people told me that when you had a baby, your first one is one baby, your second baby is two babies, but your third baby is six. <laughs> it's like having six. 
But God still has these, these, these plans that you did not plan for and are ready for and these surprises laid out for you. Amen. And I believe when I was in prayer that I just, I just could not get away from these words for this house. I just couldn't get away from him. And it was make the most of it. Say it with me. Make the most of it. See, we serve a God that has a reputation of making the most of it. Amen. I mean, we serve a God that is so good at taking what is a hot mess and an absolute just abandonment of, of what we think is going to happen in our lives. And we think, God, what could possibly good come out of this? Everything I thought was going to go one way went the other way. God has a reputation of taking a hot mess like me, like some of us, and just making something glorious out of we thought something we thought would never be anything. I don't want to waste any time in my, in my life. I, I know, I know, I, I think, I feel like I'm, I'm in a midlife, I'm not going to say crisis, but I'm, I feel like I've hit midlife at 42, almost 42. I know you're laughing at me. Some of you are laughing at me. But I don't want to waste my 40s. I don't want to waste my 50s. I don't want to waste my 60s. I don't want to waste my 70s. I don't want to waste my 80s. I don't want to waste my 90s. I want God to squeeze in every bit of abundant life that he can get into my life and make the most of the time that we have on the earth. I don't want to just be hanging on waiting for the rapture. I'm like, God, make the most of my history, make the most of my present, make the most of, of, of what I've walked through, make the most of my messes. Only God can make the most out of your messes. Has anybody else ever walked out of a mess? <laughs> well, I'm going to preach tonight on two sisters that made the most of it. And it's February. And so we're all kind of thinking about Valentine's Day. So I'm going to, I'm going to preach out of a hot mess love story tonight. Can you handle a love story? We're going to be in Ruth chapter 4 and then Genesis chapter 29. Ruth chapter 4, Genesis chapter 29. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that in this time we have together, God, that we would not stay the same, God, that your word would come and illuminate truth to every woman in the house tonight, God, that we would be changed in your presence, that we would be changed by your word, that we'd be encouraged and uplifted and corrected if we need it, God. We pray that your word, Father God, would not return void tonight, but that it would accomplish for all the purposes you've sent it tonight, God. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus, and we give you all the glory and all the praise tonight in Jesus name. Amen. Make the most of it. So these two sisters, and I'm going to read from, uh, Ruth 411 first, Ruth chapter 411. And this is right before, uh, Ruth and Boaz get married. And I want you to read what they say about Ruth and Boaz about to get married. Ruth 411, the first part, it says, and all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. The, I'm going to say it again. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house, speaking of Ruth, like Rachel and Leah, the two who built, I mean, here's my paraphrase, the entire house of Israel. Now realize this is about, I think it's nine generations after Rachel and Leah, and they're still talking about these sisters. 
They're still ta- we're still talking about them today that these two women, Rachel and Leah, built these two sisters built somebody say built the entire house of Israel. These two women, these two sisters in a love story that was a hot mess. And we all know the story. I'm going to start out, uh, read just the beginning of it in Genesis 29, verse 16. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Leah's eyes were delicate. <laughs> Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. So, so Leah is the older sister. Rachel is the youngest sister. And we all know the story. I imagine, I like to call Rachel when I think of her, I call her like the, the bombshell shepherdess. She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. She's, she has all these things on the outside going for her where she walks into a room and she gets everybody's attention. And, and she's one of those women that I don't know that just, they have, they have babies. And then I think, how in the world do they look like that after having three babies when I'm just a hot mess trying to figure out how to, how to buy clothes that are, you know, four sizes that I used to buy. And I know I'm trying to figure out when I got, when I got pregnant, nobody told me that my ankles would swell up to the size of donuts. And, and nobody told me that, that my breasts, there's a men in this house. I'm sorry. Uh, we, 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 we're just not going to go there, you know, but, but, but no one told me that I was going to look like a hot mess after three babies, that I was going to go seven years and be sleep deprived. And, and no one told me that, that I wouldn't remember what it would like to go to bed at, at, at nine o'clock and, and wake up eight hours later. And if you wonder why I, you know, i got, I got smoke coming out of my ears. I have not slept in seven years. Hot mess. And yet in the midst of my hot mess, I'm seeing God just making the most out of things. And I'm thinking, God, how are you doing that? I'm watching you bring uh, prophetic promises to pass in my life that you spoke to me when I was, you know, was 25, 26. And God is bringing them to pass in my life, even in the midst of hot messes. He's making the most of it. Nobody told me what it would be like to have three babies at 42. How many babies? How many people have more than two children? Three children. Four children. Five children. I'm just going to hand the mic to you and you can come up and tell us all how it's done. Because I depend on God every day. How many children do you have? Six children. Boy, six boys. God bless you. Those are princes. In the land, Amen. God reward, God reward you. God bless the work of your hands. We just thank you, Jesus, for these six boys, Father God, that she has raised up, Father God. That the, uh, your word says that we uh, we will train them in the ways of the Lord. When they were old, they will not depart from it. And Father God, I don't know which ones are serving you. Are they all serving God? God, we pray for the ones that aren't serving you right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we pray that you would open their eyes. We pray, Father God, that they would have dreams from heaven. Your word says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, God. And we pray that they would have encounters with who you really are. We pray, Father God, that your love would chase them down, Father God, and open their eyes and their ears, Lord Jesus, and show them who you are. We pray that a complete turnaround and repentance in the boys' life, Father God, that they would come wholly back to you 
and fulfill the callings on their lives. That even as she laid hands on them when they were little, God, that you have not forgotten those prayers, Father God, those prayers chase them down in the name of Jesus. And we thank you. We thank you for the fruit of this prayer that we will see in Jesus' name. And I just feel to tell you to cast your care and start worshiping. You, I mean, if I were you, I would just at night, I'd get out by my bed and I'd just do a little happy dance and I'd say, God, I thank you that they're already back. God, I thank you that they're already serving you. God, I thank And I would begin to prophesy over those boys and just thank God that they are already serving him by faith in the name of Jesus. Get a picture in your heart, not what they look like not serving God, but a picture in your heart of what they look like serving God. And you say, God, I thank you that me and my whole household shall be saved in the name of Jesus. And God, we just break the power of that torment, of that fear, of that lying spirit that would tell her any lies about her children in the name of Jesus. And I speak your hope to her heart over her family and over her children tonight, God, in Jesus' name. Oh, the word of the Lord for you is happy dance. I tell you, it's happy dance. Have a little happy dance at your bed tonight. She said, God, thank you that they're already serving you by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I get distracted when God does stuff like that. <sighs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So Rachel was like a bombshell shepherdess. And Leah says her eyes were delicate. And I always kind of thought, well, you know, maybe Leah wasn't as attractive as, as Rachel. And I understand the scripture points out that it was just her eyes that, that made her special. But as I got to thinking about that, I think there's more to that sentence. I think we find out as we read the story of Leah that it was actually her perspective and how she eventually began to see life that made her significant. Her eyes were delicate. And how she began to see what God was doing in her life had great significance in the life of Leah. So we all know the story. And we know that the, these women, are these sisters, are living in the same house in Haran. And we know that Jacob shows up. And when he first sees Rachel, it's like maybe love at first sight. I don't know if that really happened. Did that happen for you? It did. I believe you. <laughs> I believe it did. He, he made a good decision. Amen. Grace is amazing. You know, grace, I just have to tell you, grace to me, the river of grace that runs through this house, this mantle of motherhood that you carry, this grace to me is, is, is a picture of what a beautiful woman looks like. She really is. Because to me, a beautiful woman is someone uh, that's not necessarily all got it together, although you are beautiful on the outside. But someone who's a beautiful woman is the woman who comes into a room and she has the ability to make every woman in the room feel lovely. A beautiful woman makes other women feel beautiful. A beautiful woman it lifts other sisters up higher than she is because it brings her great joy to see their victories, to see their their answers to prayer, to see their successes, to see their accomplishments. And I just I think that you are known in heaven as a beautiful woman. That your exhortation and how you lift people up is just it's just a testament to the Lord. Beautiful grace, Amen. So we know the story, and Jacob. Falls in love with Rachel almost immediately, and and within a month, he's ready to marry her. Within a month, 
And Laban says, shall you work for me for nothing? What shall your wages be? And, and Jacob says, well, for I, I, he's so in love. We don't even see Laban asking him to work seven years. He just says, I, I, I work seven years. Oh, praise the Lord. Let him continue. God to make him like that. Work seven years to marry Rachel. And Laban agrees. And so we know the story. He worked seven years and we watch this love story unfold. Where can you imagine, you know, Leah watching Jacob and Rachel make eyes at each other at the breakfast table and, and Leah watching this, this friendship develop over the years and year after year, they're out laughing with the sheep and they're falling more and more in love and their souls are getting knit together and God is building something and God is working on something. And after seven years, when it's supposed to be Rachel's big day, Laban decides to throw a wrench in the works and thinks that the older sister should marry, be married before the younger sister. And so we know how he does, and he sneaks Leah into the bedchamber that night, and we know that Jacob thinks he's consummating his marriage to Rachel, and he's actually spending the night with Leah, and when he wakes up, he's shocked. And I imagine Leah was humiliated. And I imagine Rachel, if I was Rachel, I'm saved, but I'm not sure I'm that saved. I've been waiting for this man. Been building a relationship with this man for seven years. And now, and now my own father has decided that I, I don't deserve what was promised to me after seven years. Can you imagine the anger, the resentment, the bitterness in Rachel's heart? Can you imagine the humiliation and the embarrassment of Leah? I just have to wonder, what kind of inner vows these sisters started making? What's an inner vow? An inner vow is some kind of agreement you make within yourself that nobody else may know about. An inner vow is an agreement. It's some kind of, uh, 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 almost like a promise you make to yourself, something that you, that violates often the word of God. I imagine Leah's inner vows perhaps went something like, I'm never going to be good enough. I imagine Leah's inner vows went something along the lines of my speculation, but just looking at the story, inner vows of, of perhaps, well, I'll never be like Rachel. I'll never, I'll never have the love of Jacob. I'll never, I'll never be pretty enough. I'll, I'll never, I'll never have a life like that I wanted to have. Maybe, maybe even, I don't even know if God can ever do anything in my life. I'm completely humiliated. I'm completely unwanted. I'm completely unloved. Can you imagine the inner vows that must have gone on in Leah's heart? Inner vows are powerful. And only us and Jesus know what's in there. I had made an inner vow when I got saved and I, I came up, came from a very abusive background and I didn't know Jesus growing up. And I, I came from a father who was, uh, uh, came from an abusive background himself and broken people. I think it's Joyce Meyer that says hurting people hurt people. And his life was so broken that he didn't really know how to raise, raise children. And he just, I, I, so I, I was exposed to all kinds of abuse growing up. And when I got saved, I had all these inner vows. Let me tell you one of them. No man is ever going to control me. 
you know, that doesn't go over so well when you start getting preached to about submission. And you've made this inner agreement in your heart. No man's ever going to control me. Now, if I had, if I had not experienced the love of God and understood, and it took me a few years in my early twenties to encounter the love of God and how he is as a father and that he is always out for my good and that he's not withholding anything from me and all of his plans are are good and not for evil and no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. That he's a giving God, that he's a kind father, that he will love me through my mistakes and love me through my messes. And if I had not experienced that, and I still had an inner vow that no man was ever going to control me, I'm not sure what my marriage would look like. I'm not sure that that man out there in the banjo would ever have asked me to marry him because I would have had an attitude of, well, let me tell you how it's going to be, mister. If you're going to marry me, I'll tell you who's going to wear the pants in the family. I don't think that that would have gone over very well. Do you know the inner vows that are not broken through prayer can affect your destiny? We can have it all together on the outside and, and be beautiful and, and look like we're serving God and look like we're doing, do, you know, got it all together. But if we have inner vows of, of no one's ever going to want me or no one's ever going to love me or no one's ever going to control me or God, I'm never going to, I'm never going to step out in ministry again and trust those church people that stabbed me in the back. Come on, somebody. Inner vows can keep us from our destiny. How do you break an inner vow? Through prayer, through the word of God, through going to God and saying, God, I've made this inner vow that I'm never going to trust another pastor in my life after that one. That's an inner vow that'll keep you from your destiny. Or I made an inner vow. It could be, it could be, I'm never going to, I'm never going to be a worship leader again because last time I got overlooked and nobody, nobody treated me right. Those things can keep you from your destiny. And so I imagine Leah had a lot of inner vows that she had to overcome. And here she is unloved. Yes, Lord, I need to finish that thought. How do you break an inner vow? You go to the Lord and you confess it and you say, God, I've made an inner vow but I will never trust another person or, or I made an inner vow, God, that I won't step out in ministry. I made an inner vow, God, that I won't, I won't, I won't open my heart up and make friends with people anymore because it's safer in here just by myself. That's an inner vow. And you go to the Lord and you say, God, I confess that I made this agreement with myself that is a violating your word of love because the Bible says to love, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so God, I confess in the name of Jesus that I made that inner vow that I wouldn't open my heart up to anyone else. And I break the power of that in the name of Jesus. And I embrace your word that says that I am the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy ghost. And so I am able to love others and trust others in the name of Jesus. That's how you break an inner vow. I'm telling you, it's powerful. It's powerful to let the Holy Spirit show you and make sure that you are in agreement with the Word of God in every area of your life. Amen? 
And so Leah, the story goes on, and we know that they came um, when when the morning when you're gonna have to help me on time because I I I I can be long-winded. Ten minutes, thank you. Yes. And so that 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 morning when Rachel is angry, I imagine, and Leah is humiliated, and 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 Jacob is shocked, and we know the story that that Jacob ends up getting to marry Rachel as well, as long as he gets to work for seven more years. <laughs> And what I love in this story from Leah's perspective, because Leah's now in a hot mess and she's unwanted and she's unloved. And look at this scripture in Genesis 29, 31. It says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Here she is feeling unloved, I imagine unwanted, rejected, looked over, passed by, and feeling like perhaps nobody notices her. But don't you love that God takes notice of her? Don't you love that when we feel like we are just, God, where's my, my, my answer to prayer? Why is, I feel totally overlooked with everybody else, and God says, I notice you. And I love that it says when he saw she was unloved, because God always notices us when we feel unloved. And it says he opens up her womb. Now this is not, in my heart, this is not just talking about babies. The womb speaks of a place of creativity and new life. And so I just love that when we feel overlooked or unwanted or, or rejected, that you are just a candidate for God to bring something new, something creative, some kind of place to, all right, let me just birth something new in your heart. Let me bring something new into, into your world that's of me. When I feel alone in my house with four children and, and things happen that are just crazy that I don't, I mean, you, you never leave a sack of flour sitting on your table with a two-year-old in your house. He found that sack of flour. He found a bottle of water. Just like that. And God may not notice, or excuse me, people may not notice all you do in your house. But God takes notice of all that happens in your house and values it and thinks that it's important. Amen? So God opened up her womb and she, womb and she began to have children. We know the story and she began to have Reuben and she had, she had Simeon and she had Levi and, and, and it's funny because you read how that she named them. I believe it was Levi that, that means attached. In other words, she's having these babies saying, now my husband will be attached to me. Now he will love me. Now I'll have significance. Now I'm going to matter. And I just see this picture of, of, don't we, when we just try to, to, to work and, 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 and find a place of significance through the things we do and the things we produce and, and, and finally after her third baby when she has her fourth baby God bless her not quite six but four you know, her fourth baby and the scripture says and she called him Judah which means praise and the scripture says and then she stopped bearing and I just love the story of Leah that she finally found a place of significance, not in what she could do, not in what she could produce, not in who paid attention to her, not in even if she, her husband loved her, not even if everybody liked her, not even if she was, you know, you know, changing the world. She finally found her significance when she began to praise. She finally found her place 
when she just began to lift her hands and say, God, I don't understand all of it, but I'm going to praise you anyway. God, I don't understand the mess I've been in, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I know there's some women here tonight that understand the power of when you begin to praise God, even in the midst of the mess that you've been in. When you begin to praise him for who he is, something changes inside of us where we find our place in God. We find our worth in God. We find our value in God. We were born to praise him. And Leah found her place when she began to worship. Now, I love if you look at um, Matthew chapter 1, when you're reading the genealogy of Jesus. Oh, I'm preaching myself happy. Matthew chapter 1. I'm not going to read you all the bagats, so don't panic. Because there's a lot. But in Matthew 1, 1, it says the genealogy of Jesus. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot who? Judah and his brothers. Now we know that these women who built the entire house of Israel go on to have 12 boys. And I love studying out their names because they're just so much, they're so powerful to read the prophetic destiny on these boys. You know, there's, there's Dan and there, which means the Lord is my judge and Issachar who became a tribe that was famous for knowing the signs of the times and, and, and the, all these different, Joseph was, I believe, was son of my right hand or that Benjamin. And you know, all these sons, there was 12 of them. And don't you love that out of all of them in the lineage of Jesus in Matthew chapter one, that they, God decided to write that it became from Judah came the Christ that from the unwanted, unloved, rejected, cast out, not even significant in her own household. Judah is where the line of the tribe of Judah came. The line of the tribe of Judah came from the woman that nobody wanted I'm just going to set the mic down because I just got happy. That just makes me want to have a happy dance. Because I've been unloved. I've felt unwanted. I've felt like everybody around me was getting breakthrough when I was believing God for babies in my, you know, for four and a half years and would go out and, and put my hand on my womb and, and, and it didn't look like we were ever going to have children. I'd lay hands on myself and I'd just declare the scriptures that blessed is my womb and I'd, I'd look at all the blessings and, and Deuteronomy and I'd just declare things over myself and everybody else was having babies. I felt forgotten, overlooked, but I trusted in his word. What can God bring out of your life? If out of Leah, he could bring the Messiah, what can God bring out of your life? Even if you felt overlooked, unwanted, rejected, when you just begin to praise him and say, God, I don't understand this hot mess, but I'm going to turn my eyes, Leah's delicate eyes, her entire perspective changed, and I'm going to set my eyes on you, and I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to shift my focus onto you, and I'm going to trust you to make the most 
out of my life, out of my family, out of my ministry, out of my pain, out of my misery, out of my rejection. I'm going to dedicate it all to the building of your kingdom. And I'm expecting you to make something beautiful out of it. God loves to answer that prayer. He loves it. I think he gets excited when he can find someone that says, that one right there, she's been through hell. But her eyes are on me. And now her faith is, is, is believing me to make something out of this situation. Sister, I don't know you, but is this a compassionate lady right here? Is this a merciful lady right here? Because the gift of compassion on her life and the mercy on your life and your sensitivity is actually a gift to the body of Christ. But because you're so merciful and so kind, Father, I just speak your healing to every place in her heart that has been wounded, that has been broken. Father God, we break the power of any word curse spoken against her life in the name of Jesus. And I pray you'd go in and and cover those wounds with your anointing tonight, God in the name of Jesus. And I just feel like the Lord is just saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And Father, we bless her in the name of Jesus. Keep your hand upon her, God. Thank you for this gift of mercy to the body of Christ in the name of Jesus, God. Thank you for her, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How about this lady? Are you a, are you, are you a giver? Is she a giver? If I'm not right, just say you missed it. That's fine. I can handle that. But, 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 but a giver. Because <laughs> there's a, there's a gift of giving, you know? <laughs> so, so I just want to pray for, for, um, okay, just pray for your gift of giving. Is that all right? Father God, we just thank you for the gift uh, that she has, Father God, to give. Father, I pray. Yes, she's so good at giving, and I pray she also become good at receiving. God, because as she gives, you want to shake it together. Good measure pressed over, flowing back into her lap. And God, I pray she'd be able to receive more, because then she has more to give. And so, Father, every seed she's sown, whether it be financial, whether it be with her time, whether it be uh, uh, with her gifts, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father God, that you'd bless her a hundredfold in all her giving, Father, in Jesus name. And when it comes into her lap and when she opens her mailbox and she says, Oh my goodness, where'd this come from? She'll know it was from you and that you will show her what to do with it. Cause she's a giver and a sower in your kingdom. Bless that gift that she walks in. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I think my 10 minutes are up grace. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, let's just, let's just pray. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, we love your presence, God. Can we just pray together? Oh, Father, just say it with me if you will tonight, ladies, in the name of Jesus. God, I dedicate every area of my life to your kingdom, to you, in the name of Jesus. And tonight, oh God, can we go there? Come on, church, can we, ladies, can we go here tonight? Because God, I, w- I can't get off this inner vow thing. 
And so I, I just right now, Lord Jesus, we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit just for just for about 10 seconds. And I want you to just listen to the Holy Spirit because only you know if you have an inner vow. And so God, we just wait, just lady, just listen and just say, Holy Spirit, show me if I have any inner vows that I have made that violate your word. In Jesus' name, just listen for just seven seconds. Thank you, Lord. Okay, with every eye closed, please please close your eyes just for a second. Slip your hand up if you heard something. Slip your hand up if you felt like God showed you an inner vow you need to break. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so just for the sake of all the ladies, I just want you to pray in the name of Jesus. I break the power of any inner vow that I have made that was against God's word. In the name of Jesus, I embrace the truth tonight that I am wanted, I am loved, I am accepted, I am royalty in the kingdom of God because I belong to the king. My future is bright and blessed (laughs) in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And Holy Spirit, I pray you'd fill each lady tonight. And I pray you'd cover each family tonight, Father God, with your presence, with your healing, with your anointing, that you'd surround each house with with your angels tonight, God. And we do pray. Grace, can I release one prophetic word over your church tonight? As I I was praying, you know, because every house has a prophetic destiny. Every, Every church has a prophetic destiny. Every individual house has a prophetic destiny. And as I was praying over this house, and 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 please, if this is if you don't witness to this, uh, uh, please tell me. But I I just felt like like this is a house of both pioneers and settlers. And your pioneers, I saw pictures of your church like digging new ground. I mean, you're pioneers. You go go digging new places, and yet you help settle people into the kingdom of God, into a family, into a family. And I just saw you, like the whole church, you had shovels in one hand, and you had like teapots in the other, because this church plows new ground, and yet just a, just a, a heart of serving in this house. And so, Father, I pray that this church, God. I pray this church would fulfill its prophetic destiny, God, to dig new ground and take new territory every place you've called it to in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would bless all the servants in this house, God, and the heart of servants in this house, Father God, that they would reach this community, that they would uh, reach this region, God, every place you've called them to reach, God. I pray for your anointing. I pray for your favor. I pray for your blessing. I pray, Father God, for a move of your Holy Spirit in signs and wonders and miracles and healings according to your will let it be done God and we thank you for it and we praise you for it in the name of Jesus amen amen Amen. God bless you all so much thank you for having me oh my goodness would you lay we